I've had the pleasure of knowing many families that have a member who's adopted, and I've always found it very admirable. On the one hand, you have uh, the biological parents who, for various reasons, aren't able to raise the child, and in the case when they give up the child voluntarily, I think that's a, a wonderful uh, act of love, truly being concerned about the child's best interests. And on the other hand, of course, you have the adoptive parents who um, take on this responsibility to give this love, give of themselves completely. Now, when we're talking about a closed adoption, adoption of an infant or toddler, at some point, there's a difficult revelation that needs to be made, a difficult conversation that needs to be had to let the child know that they are adopted. And I went on to a, an online forum in which adoptive parents talk to each other, and uh, most of them suggested that this conversation be had at an early age, when the child is four or five, because the child will begin to understand you know, that women have babies and want to know where they came from. One mother who adopted two children, she tells this amusing story. She says, well, I told them a story about how when mommy, mommies have babies in their bellies, God will peek in sometimes to make sure everything is okay, and sometimes he says, uh-oh, this baby is with the wrong mommy. So when the baby is born, God makes sure the baby goes home with a mommy he was meant to have. Well, I have some news for you, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You are adopted. All of you are adopted. In our second reading, St. Paul explains how we became children of God. That God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Through baptism, we are incorporated into Jesus Christ, and so we become sons and daughters of God. We receive the Holy Spirit in our heart, who cries out, Abba, Father. The Son of God comes to us. He becomes incarnate through a woman. The early church fathers would say that the Son of God became the Son of men so that the children of men might become the children of God. God assumes a human nature so that we can participate in his divine nature. There's an exchange that takes place. And this happens through a woman, Mary of Nazareth. She was the mother of Jesus, and as you might imagine, that is a big job description. But in our gospel today, at the cross, Jesus adds a lot to her job description. Because when he says to the beloved disciple, behold your mother, he says to her, behold your son, what is he doing? He is giving Mary to us as our mother, all Christians. And we should honor Mary, just as the fourth commandment tells us to honor our father and our mother. Mary, on her part, loves us with a tender love. And one of the ways that mothers show their love is by clothing their children. Now, mothers usually buy clothes and put them on their children, but for much of human history, mothers actually would make their clothes by hand. And I'm sure, actually, that Mary made Jesus' clothes as he was growing up. Now, clothes serve several functions. They guard modesty. They protect against the environment. And they also can indicate identity, like a uniform, where clothes indicate one's identity or role. Today we celebrate the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, our patronal feast. And as you can see here in the statue, Mary appears with the infant Jesus to the head of the Carmelite order in the Middle Ages. 
and she presents to them the scapular, this brown cloth they wore over, over their shoulders, which would identify them as Carmelites under her protection and care. And over time, lay people who are not members of the religious order but wanted to be affiliated with them would also wear a little version. We call it you know, the scapular, also the brown scapular, to indicate that. The Virgin Mary once communicated to a holy nun, blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity, the purpose of the scapular, and she said this, I bring you a scapular as a sign of my blessing and my love, and at the same time, as a sign of the mystery which will be accomplished in you, I come to fully clothe you in Jesus Christ. Now that idea of putting on Christ or being clothed in Christ is one of St. Paul's favorite expressions to describe our union and our identification with the person and qualities of Jesus. Mary's desire is to clothe us with the garment of salvation that is the grace of Jesus Christ. And to put on Christ means we also have to strip ourselves of those things which are contrary to the gospel, vices such as pride, lust, and greed. So in the early church, when someone became a Christian and they were baptized, they would first strip off their old clothes, then they'd be immersed in the waters of baptism, and when they emerged from those waters, they would put on a new garment, a white garment, indicating this transformation. The second patron of the Carmelite order is the prophet Elijah. So we heard in our first reading, Uh, part of his story. I just want to give you the context to that. So Elijah lived in a time in northern Israel when there was an evil king and queen, uh, Ahab and Jezebel, who uh, established an official worship of a false god, a demon perhaps, known as Baal. Baal was believed to control the weather and fertility. And so the people had turned to this false worship and God raises up Elijah and through Elijah As a punishment for the people's apostasy, um, it doesn't rain. There's a drought for three years. At the end of the three-year period, Elijah challenges the priests of Baal to a showdown, a duel. They set up their altar and their animal sacrifice, and he sets up his altar and animal sacrifice. And they go first to call upon Baal to show that he is the God, the real God, by sending fire. And of course, nothing happens when when they pray. But when Elijah prays, right, Yahweh sends fire from heaven, which consumes the sacrifices, after which the people exclaim that Yahweh is God, that is, they are turned back to God. So Elijah helped them to strip off these these garments of, uh, these soiled garments of false worship, and to remember their identity, to, to be renewed in their identity in righteousness as God's people. Now, our identity as brothers and sisters in Christ is through our faith and baptism, but in this parish, it also has a, a different kind of flavor, you might say, or accent, in that we are under the patronage of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, you know, the Blessed Virgin under that title. I recently went to Michigan, Detroit area, where um, my parents had met, where I was born, but they moved away from there when I was two. But My dad, one of eight children, is the only one who moved away. So all my uncles, aunts, and cousins are there. And to be honest with you, I can't even name all my first cousins. There are so many. A very big family. And I hadn't been there in 16 years, so there was a lot to catch up on. And it was a wonderful stay and a lot of conversations. Uh, 
some of the interesting uh, developments. Some of my cousins have started a uh, restaurant franchise. They have nine franchises called Soroki's Fried Chicken and Pizza. And I'm waiting for the day when someone meets me and I tell them my name and they'll say, oh, the fried chicken and pizza people, right? I have a cousin, Marilyn. She has three daughters. Last time I saw them, I stayed with them and they were little girls. Now, within one year, all three of those daughters will get married. And you might be saying, wow, that's going to be expensive, right? Well, in the Chaldean tradition, it's the groom's family that pays for the weddings. So they're not paying for any of those weddings. And I used to joke with my mom growing up, I'd say, listen, mom, the boys, because you know there's six of us, three boys and three girls, will marry Americans, where the custom is that the bride will pay for the weddings. The sisters will marry Chaldeans, the groom will pay for them, and you guys will get off scot-free, right? Um, and the thing is, when I was there, um, I, be, I got to experience again something I hadn't experienced in a while. So the, for the Chaldeans, certainly the ones in Michigan, and even the ones here in San Diego, um, almost all of their social life is, is through family connections. The families are so big. Even, you know, um, I, see, I saw this happen during, during my vacation where um, a Chaldean will meet another Chaldean and within a few minutes they'll figure out how they're related. Right? Like almost every time, right? So this is this big, massive, extended family. In fact, um, so, so Marilyn's daughter Marie is um, going to have a wedding soon. There'll be 750 guests, and almost all of them will be family members. So I also, there was a part of me that was bittersweet, because um, I realized that my dad, being the only one who moved away, you know, that our lives would have been very different if we stayed in Michigan, that I would have been part of this, this rich network of extended family, now, I think my dad made the right decision. He had good reasons for moving out, but it was kind of like, I, you know, I felt a little bit that I had missed out on that a little bit. Um, and I was, you know, uh, there was moments where just the, the beauty of it kind of just pierced my heart. Like, you know, we're all gathered, talking, laughing, the kids are playing, we're eating. Um, some, some people are speaking Chaldean, some people speaking in English. But then I also, like at that moment, God also gave me, in my memory, Scenes like that that I've seen here. I've seen know, so many of you who have formed bonds that are like family bonds with people from the parish. And similar scenes of, you know, the children playing together. And how beautiful that is. And of course, with the first, with, with my, my family, you know, it's, they all, we all look alike because we're related or we look similar. Uh, but if, here it's different because we have these family-like relationships with people of different even races and ethnicities. And there's something beautiful about that, you know. The last 11 years of my life, I've spent far more time with Filipinos than I have with Chaldeans, right? <laughs> and this is, in a sense, um, a, 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 this is a family, a family which God, I think, chose for me. You know, when I was younger in school, my friends would be whoever had, you know, the same interests and activities. Then I had a deep conversion in college, and really my friend circle became more and more populated with those who shared my faith, and the priesthood, in a sense, is even taking that a step further. There is a saying that blood is thicker than water, by which people mean that family bonds trump everything else. But I believe the waters of baptism are thicker than blood. Little children are not good at dressing themselves. If you send them to the closet with no direction, who knows what they'll come out looking like. And so, 
our Mother Mary, helps us to be clothed in Christ, to put on Jesus Christ. Under the title Our Lady of Mount Carmel, we call upon her motherly assistance and we pledge to act as true sons and daughters of God.